how are you has become a, a greeting, not a question. But in work, at home, in life, we just need to be kind and we just need to have some empathy. You know, don't be afraid of saying you need some time. We all have mental health uh, and we all have to look after it. Everyone is so different, so they all need support in different ways. The focus on well-being and, and people's individual mental health really should be at the top of everyone's priority list. It may seem like an enormous hurdle to overcome and there's no sort of light at the end of the tunnel, but, but there really is. Once you start that journey, it's just one little step at a time. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of At Home With in honour of World Mental Health Day. In this episode, we hear the perspectives of seven senior leaders from across the Knight Frank Global Network on how they manage their mental health, how their well-being has been impacted by COVID-19 and how they feel things can improve regarding mental health going forward. Mental health is an incredibly salient topic and over the past eight months, it's become a particularly pertinent element of all of our lives. Whether we've suffered from diagnosed mental health conditions ourselves, known a family or friends who have struggled or simply have experienced low or difficult times in our own lives, we all have a relationship with mental health and there's never been a more important time to talk about it. Our guests in this episode include Alistair Elliott, our senior partner and group chairman, Maria Morris, the head of residential sales at Nightfront Middle East, James Clark, the head of London sales, Amanda Lim, head of our flexible office solutions team, Gary Hall, head of lettings, Lisa Nunn, associate in our strategy operations and communications team, and Mark Harvey, the head of our international department. All of our guests are vulnerable and candid about how they've struggled in their own lives and offer practical advice on how best to look after your mental well-being both in the workplace and in your personal life. This is an incredible episode, so without further ado, let's get into it. To begin the episode, I asked each of our guests how they'd coped with the COVID-19 lockdown and the impact that it had had on their mental health. We first hear from Alistair Elliott on his experience of working from home. I look, I think like everyone, uh, Rebecca, I found it uh, an unusual time. Nothing I had experienced before. And I believe for me, the greatest challenge was working out how to prioritise and spend one's time. Prioritise the work-related issues, which were very varied and often new issues to address, being faced with new incidents and challenges, but also, you know, being a family man with growing up teenagers to balance my work life with the issues at home, which were inevitably very different, but also facing the same change in experiences. Mm, and how did you go about managing that balance between the work life and the, the personal life? Did you find it difficult at the start? Was there any almost teething problems with it or did you find it quite easy to get into and work out as you went along? I, th I think the first challenge I had was that I'd never worked from home. And, and when we got to the 23rd of March and we were all in the UK working from home, was working out how to draw a line between family oblique home life and work life. And that was really difficult. I thought there would be obvious breaks. There would be more family time and less work time. And if I'm honest, there was more work time and it was very difficult to justify that and present it to your family. Um, I, I, I nonetheless got into a routine with identifying that my work time was at this bit. Um, I would then make, I was particularly focused upon exercise, something I'm quite keen about, but I, I became more disciplined in, in lockdown and then making certain I attributed some time to family. I'm not sure my wife and boys would necessarily agree with the balance I created, but I nonetheless ensured I put things into uh, categories as best I possibly could. Next, we hear from Lisa, who explains why lockdown knocked her a little bit off kilter when it came to the routine that helped her manage her mental health. Initially, when we first went into lockdown, 
I try to look at the positives. I've got quite a long commute, so I commute from Brighton. So I really embrace the opportunity to be at home and spend more quality time with my family. Uh, that in- family also included quality time with our boxer dog, Coops. Uh, unfortunately, he'd just been diagnosed with heart failure as we went into lockdown. So he had been given a limited life expectancy and has subsequently, um, during COVID, passed away. But me being able to be there for him during this time was a huge relief for me. As the weeks passed, like many people, I definitely struggled, I would say, with the intensity of the team's calls and the constant availability. I remember my husband coming into my office at one point around 7pm asking me if I'd made a conscious decision to work my commute every day. Um, And so sort of those Monday to Fridays also blurred stretching into weekends at times. Um, I was definitely guilty of not putting enough structure early on around my time. For James, lockdown posed an opportunity to focus more on exercise and look after himself a little bit more. So here's his perspective on what the period of working from home did for him. I think it's it's just highlighting the fact that it that it's there. I think we've all had more time. We've all had a break, as it were, from the rat race. We've had time to reflect. Um, and I think we've had time to look after ourselves or certainly certainly be much more aware of our feelings. And, you know, when, you, when you're running around and you're getting on early trains and late trains and running from appointment to appointment, we don't necessarily afford ourselves the time to take a step back. So I think the, the, the situation over the last couple of months has allowed everyone to do that. So I wouldn't necessarily say it's impacted if anything it's had a positive impact um, if anything because I have had the time to do more exercise I've been much more conscious about exercising and that's definitely had a much more positive impact I would suggest on my mental health and, and general well-being. For Gary lockdown offered an opportunity for introspection and he's hugely vulnerable about how he had moments of self-doubt. I think everyone has their their self-doubts on whether they're, they're working well enough, whether they're doing a good job. I think in those times when you're not you're not having those kind of natural um, conversations or as much maybe as much feedback from teams or, or knowing how the business is working well, you, you end up worrying more. And I, it was just it was just an odd experience, but it, it's very different to to the normal environment and how I've worked in the past. Mm, yeah, and I think naturally when you're spending more time almost not on your own because you're at, you're at home with your, your family or you're on Teams calls and stuff, but not being in that environment where you're constantly surrounded by people, I can imagine is quite, I mean, for me personally, it was quite difficult to come to terms with originally. And you were saying that you were you were logging on while you were having your breakfast and stuff. Did you find yourself overworking and then feeling kind of mentally exhausted by the whole thing? I think that's right. You, you Because you feel the pressure of you always have to be available and, and the fact that you're at home, um, it, it's the, the laptop just stays on constantly um and it's just normally you can have that downtime whether you're on the train you're driving home um and and you can switch off but when the laptop's here and when you're working and the phone's ringing it's not that you can't get away from it but you need to to make the effort to actually say right the I've, I've, I've finished for the day now um close the laptop down and and spend some time with with the family or um or what else you need to do um it, it's a tricky one maria explains how the beginning of lockdown offered her an opportunity to reflect on her own relationship with dealing with uncertainty it was really the uncertainty of the situation that i would say affected me the most i'm a bit of a control freak um even you know things that are not in my control, I like to try and control them. So when we started going to lockdown here, that period of uncertainty, we didn't know how long it would last. Was it gonna be a week? Was it gonna be a month? Was it gonna be six months? That was really, really challenging and and really difficult to deal with um, 
at, at the start of our lockdown. And I think from a personal perspective, you, you go through highs and lows in that it's a new experience. Um, and especially from a work perspective, we were very much all in it together. I think that was one amazing thing that came out of the early stages of, of the COVID period was as a work family, we really pulled together. But then once, you know, a couple of weeks in, when we started realizing that, you know, this could be going on for quite some time, when you're sitting at home within the same four walls, then it becomes very much a personal issue and how you deal with that as an individual. And whilst you still may have the support of, of your work family around you, you know, you really do have to look at your own personal mental health. And that was a struggle. You know, it's easy to start doing workouts at home and having Zoom calls and trying to remain connected. But there was always periods of time where you were on your own. And that was something that I really, really did struggle with. And the adjustment of that in the early stages was, was, um, was quite a challenge. But I think you then invest in your, in your own self a little bit more. So when things started opening up here a little, you know, it was making sure that I was taking time to stay active and go to the gym or go for a run or even a walk, you know, just taking time to clear your own sort of headspace um, and making sure that you're looking after yourself as much as those around you. A question I posed to all of our guests was how they managed their mental health on a more practical level during this period, whether they were struggling or whether they weren't. And Amanda Lim offers a really fresh perspective on this. The first step, I believe, is to be able to recognize and admit to yourself that you're having an off day and then figuring out why and what's causing it. I'm not saying there is an immediate solution. Definitely isn't. It's not like a step by step maths problem. Although for me, that probably doesn't have an immediate solution anyway. Understanding what's causing you to feel down is a great first step. And then the second thing I try and remind myself every day because I'm quite an emotional being and I also am very, I find it very difficult to not show my emotions at that very moment. But I, I need to always remind myself that my feelings aren't fat. So I'm, it's not written in stone that that is exactly what the situation is. It's how I'm feeling at that point, coupled with, you know, all the different other things that are going around me. So it's just taking, taking a break away from whatever you're doing that's causing you that stress or anxiety and just sort of just go take a deep breath and think why that's causing you to feel that way and I think from there then you can sort of try and tackle it if you can but if you can't then it's just how things make you feel and I don't think there should be a solution for everything it's just not the way things work. Here Mark reflects on the power of introspection and explains how he's leaned into it a little more over the last few months. It isn't always easy to be introspective. And, and I think, you know, um, I, like many, I'm sure, um, thrive on, on being busy and thrive on, on the, the stress, the challenge, the, the sort of um, the million miles an hour um, life that we lead. Um, you know, that in itself, I think, is sort of perhaps um, stopping us from, from having those periods of reflection, which I think are so important to have. Um, they may not be um, the most comfortable moments, I, I hasten to add. But um, I think for me, certainly, the more time I can spend, um, shall we say, reconnecting, as I like to put it, with my inner self, you know, be it heart, mind, soul, um, body, the better I feel ultimately. Um, whilst it may be a bit uncomfortable to begin with, it's, it's time well invested. I 
asked each of our guests if they felt comfortable to to share some of their own personal experiences with poor mental health or any times in their life that they've particularly struggled. And Lisa was incredibly vulnerable and candid about her experience of losing her mum and the grief that she felt after that experience. I've never been clinically diagnosed with a, a mental health condition, but I have definitely had periods in my life where I've seriously struggled. Uh, with my mental health and specifically around bereavement I would say I mean you know people have different life changes or life challenges maybe in their life I lost my mum four years ago now it, it wasn't just the loss that affected my mental health I would say the year and a half leading up to her death was really challenging for me too so my mum had a tragic fall at home. She lived in Warwickshire with her second husband. So she wasn't just around the corner. She was in a coma for three months and then spent a year in rehabilitation and eventually ended up in a care home and finally passed due to pneumonia. During this time, I spent many weekends traveling back and forth to Warwickshire to visit her. Sometimes there was some acknowledgement that she knew I was there, but I suppose I really lost my mum then. Um, I really struggled with the guilt of not being there to care for her, not being able to see her as much as I wanted to, and also feelings of anger. I mean, her husband and I didn't get on with the family. Um, he didn't make it easy for us as a family to see her when we would like. It was a real hard time. And every time, a deep breath, because it's funny, isn't it, with mental health, you still grieve, you know, it still hits you. Every time I would come home from a weekend visit, my husband said it was like I was grieving for her every time I got home. My mum and dad historically had spent their entire life dedicated to looking after people with severe mental health and learning disabilities. Way back then, people in, in their day and age would be treated as if they had a disease and needed to be locked away from society. My mum and dad worked tirelessly to fight for people with severe mental health and learning disabilities to be rehabilitated in the community. So my mum always said that she never, ever wanted to end up having someone looking after her 24 hours a day, having no purpose. There was no real existence, but sadly, that's how she ended up. And I really do still struggle with that today. There have been so many proud moments as a family during these past four years. I really wanted to be able to pick up the phone and listen to my mum and her wise words. But there are so many times when only your mum will do. So I think with grief, it never goes away. You know, there's, there should never be a limit on when you get over it. You know, when is the time? You just learn to adjust. But what I've learned from my husband and my family is the more you open up, the more you talk about it, the better you deal with it. People don't have crystal balls. You know, you need to let the people close to you know how you're feeling. Um, otherwise, they can't support you in the way that they want to. Mark also spoke incredibly honestly about his own experience of grief and how this had an impact on triggering his depression. Um, it's obviously a very difficult topic um, and so personal and it evokes so many different emotions um, for, for, for me and, and of course everybody else um, who who has been um, afflicted. Um, I uh, had a fairly sort of colourful upbringing. Um, I think that's sort of all I can say about that. I'd never really dealt with it, never really confronted it, never processed it. I think we're incredibly good at burying and, and ignoring and um, compartmentalising. Um, with me, when I least expected it, um, everything sort of poured out. And um, it was um, triggered, actually, by the passing of, of my mother and my father's subsequent illness, which, you know, obviously, we we all experience, um, you know, the passing of a relative. And, uh, 
um, for me, that was the trigger. And um, all of this stuff, which I, I'd really never, as I said, processed and dealt with, um, came to the surface. What was most extraordinary, though, and, and the way I sort of describe it, I think Winston Churchill talks about his this black dog that follows him. For me, um, it was a very sort of deep depression, which I hadn't actually appreciated, had really sort of begun to take over me. And um, I, my analogy or metaphor is is like a sort of a, a weed or an ivy grows ever so slowly around a tree and just gradually stifles it and cuts out the light. And um, and it's 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 a very very slow process that you're not even aware of until the day it becomes absolutely apparent. And um, I hadn't felt sort of any real happiness for so long. You know that day. Um, it all came out. Um, I must say it was a huge shock, obviously a very emotional moment. But I think as soon as I'd addressed it and confronted it um, with the support of those around me, both my, my, my family and work, I hasten to add, Mike Frank were incredible. I had immediate hope and, and that was the beginning of the healing process. I mean, it was, it was sort of immediate. There was a, a long journey to follow, of course, but having kind of gone through that initial period or initial moment, um, hope began to return. And I had something, you know, I had some clarity and, and the light began to, to come back into my life. If anything that Mark and Lisa commented on there has impacted you, there'll be links to help and support in the show notes of this episode for you to access. While not all of our guests have struggled with clinically diagnosed mental health conditions, each of them has their own experience of low points in their lives or issues that they've struggled with. Here's Amanda on a particularly low moment in her life. Even though I only moved to the UK about four and a half years ago, I'm so fortunate to have an excellent support network here. You know, I've got my husband and his family and my friends and of course, you know, my colleagues who really count as my friends. But I had a teeny tiny issue when it came to the renewal of my visa um, and it got rejected. I then received a letter saying I was due to be deported on Christmas Eve. So, you know, at the same time, I was juggling the daily stresses of life. And as you can imagine, I had a bit of a mini meltdown, even though some people you ask might disagree it was mini. I was mostly like angry and upset, but I think mainly I felt really helpless. And I think that's when it really hits you when there's nothing you can do about it, but it's still lingering as an issue. Luckily, with um, the support I had from work and the people around me, that was soon resolved. A topic that cropped up time and time again when I was conducting the interviews with this podcast was that we're all so quick to diminish our personal experiences and compare ourselves with those who may be struggling more. However, through doing so, we ignore the nuanced nature of our mental well-being. And this is something that James Clark discusses here. You know, it's now in the public arena, mental health. It's not a bad thing. Um, Everybody has it, just like they have physical health. Um, I think you said to me earlier, just because you get injured once doesn't mean you're completely broken and mental health is is something that um, I think on the whole can be fixed and something that you have to work at if it breaks Um, and before you get to it breaking I think there's various things that we can all do certainly affording yourself time um, being for me main the main one that we can do to 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 help maintain our our, our mental health at a a, an acceptable level um i think it's important to have friends and family 
uh, around you. I think it's good to work in an environment that that is almost like a flat hierarchy, as it were, in terms of being able to, to, to speak to whoever, whenever, and having the confidence to know and, and understand that you're not going to get shot down or, 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 or looked upon in a different way if you do have a, an issue. Because we all have issues, um, whether we like to admit them uh, or not, we all have vulnerabilities, we all have mental health, uh, and we all have to look after it. And as I say, there are certain things that we can all do, uh, certain disciplines, I think, that we can all do that, that can help maintain that, which is hugely important, I think, if you want to be successful. And to James's point, the way that we look after our mental health is entirely personal to us. So here's Alistair on how the power of reflection and prioritisation helps him look after his own mental health. I mean, certainly now more than ever. I'm a great buyer in reflection or the value of reflection. I'm a great one who says, let's sleep on it. And I believe there is a lot to be said by taking an issue or a decision away, sleeping on it, and then seeing it with fresh eyes the following morning. It works for me. Exercise works in the same way. Look, I, I know there are many people at Night Frank and other organisations who, who are faced with the same challenge, but inevitably I've got quite a broad selection of things to deal with. And I often say to people, if I, if I put them all in my brain at once and said I had to deal with them at once, it would be impossible. One of the things that I'm able to do, I was going to say blessed with, but that sounds a bit odd. I am able to prioritise and switch on and off. It, it's incredibly intensive still, but if I decide I want to switch off and go for a run, I switch off and go for a run. Inevitably, some things go on in your mind, but it enables me to think more clearly and come back and put a decision into a different perspective or even deal with that decision in a different way. And as a consequence of that, become... Uh, less unfit or marginally fitter, depending upon where it, where you think I start, as a consequence of, of this crisis. And I've dedicated more of my time to exercise. And if I'm honest, I feel better for it, coupled with a, a, a better diet, if I'm honest. Maria is incredibly open about her experience of working with a coach to nurture both her personal and professional success. And here she discusses some of her top tips on how to look after your mental health and what works for her. So I think one of the main benefits, actually, of the COVID period has been really applying some of the elements that I've been working hard on with my coach over the last 12 to 18 months. And I know we've spoken before about, um, you know, I'm a big believer in coaching and personal development. And I think, you know, some of those elements have really, really helped me adjust through this period. And it's really easy, actually. One, one, of, the, one of the quick and simple solutions that I do when I'm feeling a little overwhelmed, perhaps at times, is to literally just stop and take a minute. I'll, I'll shut down my laptop, you know, I'll put my phone to the side and I'll, you know, go for a walk. Or even if it was in lockdown and, you know, I was stuck at home, I'd go and walk out onto the balcony and just take five minutes or, or move into a different room and, and just allow myself to have some headspace. And whilst it sounds so, so simple, it's so impactful in terms of clearing your, allowing yourself the time to just clear your mind and take a step back really, really does help with the adjustment of, of, as I say, not feeling overwhelmed all the time. Or, you know, I, I think it's so important for everyone to just take a minute. That might be a minute and that might be an hour, but whatever time frame you need, you know, just, just stop, take a breath. And you really do very quickly, as I say, it, it, it's just changing your mental state. And that for me has been something that 
I've implemented when I'm when I'm feeling maybe a little bit of anxiety about you know something that we're trying to tackle at work or something that we had to implement over the initial stages of of lockdown and the COVID period. You know, it's it's literally as I say, just taking a breath, not becoming overwhelmed, and realizing that you know there's always a solution and there's always people there that can support you as well. While it's incredibly important to discuss how to look after our mental health in our personal lives, it's also pertinent to make sure that we're discussing it with regard to the workplace too. And so Gary talks about what managers can do to look after their team's mental health and how best to bring up these conversations with your manager. It's the age old, you just need to talk to someone. Um, you need to have that conversation if they're willing to, have, to speak to you and to um, explain what's going on, um, how we can help. The stress is even without talking about detail, if there's certain parts of your role that are causing you additional stress or there's breaks that you need, that you can book flexibility with your manager in terms of what you need to do um, certain clients that, that, are, that are causing problems if you have kind of high demanding roles um, there's lots of different things and, and ways that you can improve it we go through kind of the highs and lows of stresses in this role um, in the different parts of the business but making sure that, that you're combating it and hopefully a lot of it is you've got to prepare yourself for these situations you've got to make sure you book your holidays and you've got to plan them don't just leave them all to the last minute and to the, the end of the year you've got to make sure you get your sleep you've got to make sure you eat healthy you've got to make sure you don't drink too much all of these things again as i said slightly boring but can have a massive impact on your life and when we are so busy um when we're in high pressured environments ensuring that you set yourself up so the, these things don't compound um the, the situation and make things a lot worse is really important and on the topic of opening up in the workplace to a manager or a colleague about what you're going through, Mark discusses how wonderful it's been for him to be able to have these conversations with people he knows at work. It's obviously, you know, it's a conversation you have to be incredibly sensitive about. I think my approach has just been trying to be as open as possible. Obviously, you know, there are there are barriers in place and, you know, I, I try and wear my heart on my sleeve and, and, and express my own challenges and frustrations where I can. Um, I've had... Um, a couple of examples of, of some direct staff, um, colleagues, and actually colleagues in other de departments, other parts of the business who, who I've spoken to who had sort of a broken wing, if for want of a better word, who were facing their own sort of struggles and challenges. And, and it was so wonderful to be able to, you know, impart some of my experiences and, and actually to realize how, how valuable that was to them and, and how it made them feel was, was transformational. And I, n I never thought I'd have the chance to do that. And that in some ways has been incredible, most rewarding thing um, to see, you know, someone quite young and, and relatively inexperienced in life, you know, sort of um, talk to me about this and um, and review their whole life and um, and and make good on it and and find ways to 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 heal and 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 grow and see them going through that process I mean the, there's nothing more rewarding apart from having your own children I would say Lisa really emphasizes the points made by Gary and Mark regarding looking out for people in your team and gives some really salient advice for managers find someone to talk to you know as a manager you know you have a responsibility if you if you've got a team member um your responsibility like you do with your family i always think that so you have to look out for signs of of people if their behaviors changed and look out and, and guide them listen to people i mean listening to people is is the utmost isn't it through everything in life and just noticing someone changing their mood if someone's quiet and also it's not just if someone's quiet if someone's angry or you know they're more agitated uh, th there's normally a root cause to that so I think it's just being a friend asking people if they're okay 
some people, you know, won't, but that one time that you ask someone if they're okay, they might, they might say, actually, no, I'm not. You should always ask. The final question I asked everybody who came on the podcast was whether they had anything else they wanted to discuss. And each of our guests took this in a different way. Some gave their perspective on where the future of the conversation should be, and others gave advice on how best to manage your mental health. So here's a few of the extracts of what people said when I asked them that question. I am consciously aware, particularly given the last six months, that I'm not able to understand nor do I pretend to understand how this last six months has affected people, uh, has affected people in their work life or in their home life. And please be assured that that I'm not making any assumption that it has or hasn't affected people. I just, I am aware that there will be a range of different experiences. And unless you are able to engage with us directly or indirectly, we may never be the wiser. So please just take a moment, work out a plan of the immediate next steps. And if we can help, make sure we are we are engaged so that we can do all we can to possibly help. Because I believe our infrastructure is now in a completely different and much improved position than it would have been two or three years ago. So when you are feeling a little bit overwhelmed or anxious or stressed or tired or, you know, whatever it may be, whilst we all have a tendency to look at those feelings as negatives and that in itself can put pressure on ourselves, you know, we feel stressed about feeling stressed. Acknowledging those feelings and not being fearful of them can be hugely helpful. You know, everyone has different emotions and you just have to acknowledge them. As I say, that just stepping back, taking a minute, knowing that you might be a little bit stressed, but you can get through it and get into a better mindset is, is hugely important. And I think it's something that everyone should, um, should try and incorporate into their daily routine. I, I think it's really important that, that everyone talks about what's going on. Obviously, we're not, we're not counsellors, but we're here, to, we're here to help. And we need to ensure that, that we're supporting our team members. We're employers, we're managers, um, we're work colleagues. Um, but hopefully, some of us are friends as well. And you can have a conversation with someone, whether it's someone that works directly for you, whether it's someone within your department, the HR team that we've got at Night Frank are fantastic. And having a confidential off-the-record chat um, with any of the, the HR team would be welcome. So don't bottle things up. Do your preparation um, and just ensure that you're putting yourself in the right space. And as men and, and opening up to this, we need to ensure that, that we're, we are talking. It's not a, um, a stigma subject and, and that we're having these conversations to make sure that situations don't get worse. Employers have started thinking a lot more about mental health in the in the recent years, right? And just like the focus on workplace diversity, these very important inclusion projects are going to take a number of years before we can truly witness the results or feel the impact of what it has to us as individuals. And I just you know, I want to say it's not just down to employers. It is a lot down to employers to open their doors and make sure that middle management, top management, everyone in that chain is responsible for it and does feel like it is important 
just the most important takeaway for me regarding these postcards and this subject, which is so important, is that we just need to look out for each other, Rebecca, like in work, at home, in life. We just need to be kind and we just need to have some empathy. Conversations like these and more awareness is needed every day as well and not just on special days <laughs> to mark the occasion, if you know. I, I think, you know, this needs to be every day. I'm generally a positive person, so I'll always try and have a happy outlook on life. But just because someone is smiley all the time I think it's important to realize doesn't mean they're not going through a hard time or equally as I said earlier when someone's angry moody snappy there's always something wrong there's always a root cause to this and having empathy with people in these difficult situations will normally diffuse the situation maybe allow you to understand the reason why people are behaving in different ways so we more I think for me the more we do these types of things across the business the more people would know that they're not alone and that also won't feel scared to approach people for support it's all about communication um, and if you're struggling or you know tired stress just not feeling right you've got to be able to find somebody that you can go and talk to whether that's a friend whether that's a colleague whether it's your boss professional help there are plenty people of around where you can talk and you can get things off your chest so i think it's very different today to what it was 20 years ago and i feel very comfortable talking about it i've got great people that that i report into that i can knock on their door and say actually do you know what i'm struggling with this or this is this certain scenario this is how i'm going to handle it would you do something different and then I, i've spoken about it before in again of the podcast there is a very open door policy at night frank i believe there's a very open door policy uh, at night frank i'd certainly like to think that i'm part of that but you can talk to anyone as it were if you're not feeling right you have to talk to somebody just reach out and and again the i suppose you know don't forget your employer is incredibly sympathetic um night frank um, were incredible with me you know they really gave me the opportunity to deal with this um, once and for all at a time where you know it could have been absolutely desperate and um, you know I, I started with um, Sally in HR and um, you know who then and then spoke to my line manager Paddy you know incredibly supportive and as I said you know there were so many other examples around the firm of um, people in, in similar or facing core challenges and um, you're not alone basically. There were so many more quotes, anecdotes, pearls of wisdom, resources, tips that I could have put in this episode. Our guests could have talked for hours and hours about how important mental health is and how important it is to everyone at Night Frank that we look after our mental health and how much they are here to support us. But I really hope this podcast will act as a resource to help anybody who is struggling with their mental health, be they at Night Frank or another company or at school or at university, because it's so important that we discuss these topics. And no matter what stage of your life you're at, whether you're a CEO, a graduate, a student, we all have mental health and it's never been more pertinent for us to discuss it. If you're looking for further resources on how you can help with your mental health, there'll be lots of links to places you can go in the show notes of this episode. If there's one key takeaway from this episode, I would say it's to remember that you're not alone. And no matter what you're struggling through, there is always somebody who'll be there to listen. Communication is the most important thing when it comes to mental health. And as cliche as it sounds, a problem shared really is a problem halved. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. And thank you to our guests for taking part. We'll be back on Wednesday with another episode about Home With. So make sure you're subscribed to get it in your podcast feed.